Discover BetMGM, the betting app sports fans in the Capital Region turn to for nonstop action all winter long. Take the excitement of football, basketball, and hockey to the next level with same-game parlays, exclusive signature bets, odds boost promos, and much more. Plus, now you can sign in, place bets, and manage your cash balance under the same BetMGM account in D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. With the same username and password throughout the DMV, it's never been easier to play with the king of sportsbooks. Download the BetMGM app today. BetMGM is an authorized gaming partner of the NBA and an official sports betting partner of the NHL. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Please gamble responsibly. BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington, D.C. only. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Hi, it's your favorite throwback podcast hosts, Jessica Bennett and Susie Banacaram, here to announce a new season of our show, In Retrospect which means a whole new batch of episodes diving into the pop culture moments we love and love to pick apart. From the dethroning of the first black Miss America to the legacy of a lesbian joke from four caftan-loving Golden Girls. Listen to In Retrospect on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. My name is Chris Moody, host of the new podcast, Finding Matt Drudge. I'll be taking you on a journey to find the mysterious media mogul Matt Drudge, founder of The Drudge Report. Along the way, I'll talk to people who have worked with him, dined with him, and fought with him, taking listeners into private conversations, all in an attempt to get a better understanding of who Drudge is and what motivates him. Hopefully, he'll even sit down with us. Listen to Finding Matt Drudge on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. You know, your house smells. Don't get mad. Don't get mad. My house smells too. I'm not, I'm not indicting you. I'm sure you keep a clean home. But just time means you're going to acquire smells. Whether those are cooking smells that get in your paint, your carpet. Maybe they're animal smells. Maybe you're a smoker or someone else was. Just living creates smells. I didn't realize that my home had a smell to it until I got my first Eden Pure Thunderstorm, the greatest air purifier I've ever ever owned in my life. This thing, I had it plugged in for two hours. I came back in the room and my air smelled so clean. I now own three of them. I'm not making that up. This thing has absolutely changed me on top of what it's done for my allergies. Go get one. Get two. Be like me and get three. Go to EdenPureDeals.com. Make sure you use the promo code JESSE. That gets you 10 bucks off and free shipping. EdenPureDeals.com. Promo code JESSE. A national stress test. We've had months of one. And we've not done very well. I'm going to explain that and show you a funny or two coming up right now on I'm Right. You know the government's supposed to be afraid of you? 
Do you know that? Have you ever thought about that? I, I don't mean you as an individual. Don't start threat- sending threatening emails and phone calls to these people. I'm not talking about that. But as a whole, the federal government in America is supposed to fear the people as a whole. Governments in general in this country, governors, mayors, they're supposed to fear you. They used to live in fear of infringing too much on your life, on your liberty. Because they knew in this country, the way our DNA was, if they overstepped, and not even in huge ways, you look at the little things people used to get in trouble for, they worried if they overstepped, you would throw them out immediately. Gone. Okay, look at this dirt ball. Gone. You know, there's this amazing story out there about James Madison. He's elected, and he is asked, Hey, uh, James, there's a gigantic fire going on right now, like in Washington, D.C. It was in Virginia. In Virginia, uh, we need some money through Congress now to put this fire out. Now. The fire is, I cannot stress this point enough, the fire is currently blazing. A bill was actually passed through Congress and boom, put on his desk. Sign this bill now. We need more money. People are dying. Homes are burning. Madison, eh, veto. And he was asked, well, why? How? He said, well, that's, that's not my money. The people will freak out and throw me out. I can't take some guy's money in, in New York or South Carolina and use it to put out a fire going on or not in Virginia or else the people will freak. That's how much they used to fear you in this country. That's what we were. That's what built what we have now as a nation. What happened? I, I've been stunned, stunned by this coronavirus thing from start to finish and this, late, this latest madness with Trump It's just the latest example of my jaw hitting the ground about this thing. Do you know that as a nation, we have now four months screamed at each other, shamed each other, arrested people, including pastors for having church services? We have wiped out entire industries like the hospitality industry, the airline industry. We violated people's rights people's constitutional rights in more ways than I have ever seen in my lifetime, I would venture to say we have violated people's constitutional rights during the last few months more than at any point in American history since the internment camps of FDR in World War II when we threw the poor Japanese people in there. That is what I've seen over a virus with an over 99% survivability rate. And let me be clear about something. I'm not minimizing 200,000 people dead. Whether or not that's right, it's probably close. I know each and every one of those lives mattered. Each and every one of those personal stories matter. But do you know, on a macro level, for a nation of our size and wealth and importance to do this to ourselves for a virus like that is insane. Any other nation in the history of mankind would look at that and think, what is wrong with you people? Especially a nation at its peak. They would look and they'd be horrified. Do you know? I'm I'm not trying to bring you down here. You know you're going to die one day, right? I am going to die one day. 
I promise, you are. But we take a virus, I, I don't know what you want me to call it. I mean, it's serious, but this is not, this is not the Black Plague. We take a virus and we've let it destroy us, rip each other apart, completely remake America. Social distancing signs everywhere. Wear a mask. Don't go to a football game. Oh, no, Timmy, you can't go to school. Oh, hey, close down your restaurant. Airlines, bye. Hardly knew you. Sorry, there's a virus where 99% of you plus are going to survive. I, I don't know what to describe. I don't know how to describe the disappointment in what I'm seeing. In what we've become. We are fat, rich, and bored. That's what I think. That's what I think. I want you to picture in your mind the guy who has it all. Five mansions, Learjet, beautiful wife, 8,000 kids, all going to school, trust fund, billions in the bank. Life, he has it all. And yet he gets a flat tire in his Bentley on the way to work in the morning. And he's standing on the side of the road screaming at his car and screaming at the AAA guy because he can't get the tire changed. That's America. That's who we are now. We think coronavirus is a problem. Brother, look at the history of mankind. This is nothing. But I'll tell you what it is. It's pretty revealing. We are not ready for real problems. You want to talk about big things that happen in history, but like the Black Plague, wiped out a third to half of Europe. We talk about invasions. We talk about major, major, major economic problems. I'm talking collapsing of financial systems. We're talking about things we've all seen in the past. In fact, if you look at the arc of history, that is a guarantee we're going to face it again. And let me ask you something. Is this America ready for that? You look around at what coronavirus has done to us. Are we ready for that? For real problems? I don't think we are. I honestly, I almost didn't even talk about the Trump COVID stuff to open my show tonight. I realize it's a huge story. I'm going to give you all the updates here and whatnot. But I watched over the last 72 hours, I watched this country yank itself back in form and scream at each other about this whole thing. Trump comes down with COVID. Hey, he's irresponsible. Ah, the president's going to die. Okay, let's rush him to Walter Reed. Oh, my goodness, they're taking him to Walter Reed. He's almost dead. No, he's not dead. Oh, the president gives a video update. I hate that. I love that. Oh, let's have a prayer vigil. Oh, we need, to, we, need, it needs to, we need to invoke the 25th Amendment, put the vice president in charge. Wait, he's been exposed too. Donald Trump does a drive-by, I'll show you in a minute. He's exposing Secret Service agents. Now he puts out a statement that he's... It's just nonstop, everybody's screaming at each other. The President of the United States of America, the man in charge of the richest nation on Earth, got a virus where over 99% of the people survive. Do you think he's going to get the medical care he needs to overcome this pretty quickly? It wasn't even a news story. In my mind, it was barely even a news story. But we are so fat, rich, and bored, we panic over anything now. Every small thing seems like a problem because you don't have real problems. We are that rich guy on the side of the road staring at the flat tires saying, why me, God? Why me? 
while people around the world are starving. It is what we are. Whatever. Here's what happened. You know, Trump got the virus, went to Walter Reed, puts out a video message saying he's fine. We're getting great reports from the doctors. This is an incredible hospital, Walter Reed. The work they do is just absolutely amazing, and I want to thank them all, the nurses, the doctors, everybody here. I've also gotten to meet some of the soldiers and the first responders, and what a group. I also think we're going to pay a little surprise to some of the great patriots that we have out on the street, and they've been out there for a long time, and they've got Trump flags, and they love our country, so I'm not telling anybody but you, but I'm about to make a little surprise visit. So perhaps I'll get there before you get to see me. Uh, but I just, uh, when I look at the enthusiasm, and we have enthusiasm like probably nobody's ever had. Our people that love the job we're doing, we have more enthusiasm than maybe anybody. So uh, it's been a very interesting journey. I learned a lot about COVID. I learned it by really going to school. This is the real school. This isn't the let's read the book school. And I get it and I understand it. And it's a very interesting thing. And I'm going to be letting you know about it. In the meantime, we love the USA and we love what's happening. Thank you. And Trump, of course, already put out a statement. Totally fine. Quote, I will be leaving the great Walter Reed Medical Center today at 6.30 p.m. Feeling really good. Don't be afraid of COVID. Don't let it dominate your life. We have developed under the Trump administration some really great drugs and knowledge. I feel better than I did 20 years ago. Good. He's fine, as I knew he would be, because we don't treat the coronavirus like the Black Plague. We're at the point where we have so altered the mindset of Americans. Trump, in what I thought was a really good political move, Trump had to do a drive-by in front of his supporters, in front of the hospital, just to give him a little wave. Actually, was pretty cool. We've got uh, former White House physician shutting down CNN reports that are, of course, absurd, over the top, and damaging to America itself. Lang, I want to ask you about the drive-by. Did the president needlessly put Secret Service officers at risk for this photo op? Well, everything you do is has risks and benefits. He he wore a mask. The Secret Service agents wore a mask, most likely N95 masks. And by all of them wearing wearing N95 masks, um, I, I didn't. You couldn't tell for exactly from the pictures, but that's what you would expect has happened. That makes the risk actually very very small. Is there an increased risk? Maybe tiny, but there. But they they took measures to reduce the risk, and that's what it's all about: is is risk management, risk reduction. Okay, yeah. Again, it's all going to be fine. And Nancy Pelosi, you want to talk about chutzpah. 
Nancy Pelosi, who was just recently caught not only getting an illegal haircut, which I can't believe I have to use the words illegal haircut, but who was just recently caught getting an illegal haircut in San Francisco and caught without a mask, mind you. She's right there and the little haircut, haircut person's right behind her. No mask on. Nancy Pelosi had this to say. People yeah. always ask, what impact will this have on the election? I said, I'm not interested in that. What I'm interested in is what impact will it be on uh, coming to the table with us and doing what we have to crush the virus, listen to science, have the public-private role that needs to be done to mm -hmm. crush the virus. And so hopefully and prayerfully, and we wouldn't pray if we didn't believe there was a chance that there could be uh, an answer. And so I pray that in addition to his health, that the president's heart will be open to the millions of people have been affected, uh, hundreds of thousands of families have suffered a death, and also to recognize uh, that a, a preponderance of this uh, of the impact of viruses in communities of color and I mean, we don't have the kind of access to care that the president or the rest of us have. Yeah. Nancy Pelosi, let me tell you what, she lays awake at night just stressing about those communities of color. God, jeez. All that may have made you uncomfortable, but I'm right. Now, I didn't mean to necessarily just come right out with it and talk about the global financial system earlier. That wasn't, I wasn't trying to scare you to death. However, look at the news. Talk, you don't even have to take my word for it. Call your finance guy or just call a buddy who does finance. There's going to be a correction in this market. You simply cannot print money like this. You can't spend it like this, print money like this, and we're spending it and printing it at the same time where business closures are mounting. So we're spending it and printing it, and we're taking less in. That story only has one ending. One. There's not two. One ending. Go get a gold IRA from Gold Alliance to protect yourself for when that market corrects. Please. Gold Alliance has an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau. There's nothing in the world stopping you from doing it today. Gold Alliance will walk you through every step of the way. GoldAlliance.com slash Jesse. That's GoldAlliance.com slash Jesse. We'll be back. I've got good news and I've got bad news. I realized that was a heavy beginning. I realized that, so I figured I better sugarcoat that for you. The good news is all this Trump coronavirus insanity is going to be forgotten by tomorrow morning or so. That's the good news. The bad news is, man, it's all about to get so much worse. <laughs> we have the Supreme Court. We have the Supreme Court hearing coming up. ACB standing in front of the Democrats. These people are insane. These people will try anything do absolutely anything if it means stopping this woman. Now, again, I've gone on record as saying this, and I really believe this. I believe it's going to be bad for her, so don't misquote me. It's going to be really bad. It's going to be ugly. There'll be all kinds of stupid accusations thrown out there. I do not believe it's going to be as bad for her as it was for Kavanaugh. She's a little more difficult to hit because she's, you know, the saintly mother of 90 who's never apparently done anything wrong in her life. So that'll make it more difficult. That's one. Two, 
we're awfully close to an election cycle. When you're Democrats and you do that to Kavanaugh, like for the midterms, you can convince yourself, I mean, okay, maybe we don't look great here, but oh, we're a million miles away from the presidential election. It's no big deal. It's one thing to do it then. It's another thing to accuse Amy Coney Barrett, Amy Coney Barrett of being a serial rapist right before the election. Eh, that might actually hurt you at the polls. So it's going to be bad. I don't believe it'll be as bad as Kavanaugh. But remember, these people will do anything to make sure this woman doesn't get on there. This was Chuck Schumer's response to the president of the United States being hospitalized with coronavirus. So for Mitch McConnell to go ahead with the hearing endangers the safety not only of senators, but of staff who work diligently on the Hill. And they ought to be delayed. There is no reason on God's green earth why these shouldn't be delayed other than an effort to rush a witness through in an inadequate hearing where people can't even see the witness face to face. So we are demanding today, along with millions of Americans and many, many groups, that the hearings be postponed. Sure. Chuck, Chuck Schuber is gravely concerned about those Hill staffers. And Amy Coney Barrett, they can't just see her virtually. <laughs> that is ridiculous. It's not like the entire rest of the country is operating virtually at this point in time. They're very, look, they're worried about the staffers. Those staffers. Just like Nancy Pelosi, last segment, worried about, you know, well, she's very worried about the black community. She goes to sleep at night and she can't rest thinking about the problems with coronavirus in the black community. That's how upset Chuck Schumer is thinking about those poor, downtrodden staffers on the Hill. <laughs> Gosh. Amy Klobuchar had this to say. Now, three senators have it. As you point out, two are on the Judiciary Committee. And Mitch McConnell has shut the Senate down for two because of health concerns, um, because we don't know how many other Republican senators had it. There were a number of other ones that were at the Rose Garden. They have a lunch together where they don't have masks. We don't do that on the Democratic side. They do. And so it's very possible we're going to have more senators, more staff. So I don't know why you would ram through the Supreme Court hearing, put people in danger because it would be within that two-week period or while you have shut down the whole Senate. I just think it's wrong. Senate. We are suggesting that they wait. I'll tell you why. Because we can. Because when they had the presidency, they did it. We have the presidency. We have the United States Senate. Here's your answer, Republicans. You want to know why? Here's why. Because you can't stop me. That's why. Senator Tom Cotton had a great answer here. What I can say is that everyone is eager to be at work when they need to be at work. They're on the Judiciary Committee a week from tomorrow, either in person or virtually, to have the confirmation hearings for Judge Barrett and then to have the vote on Judge Barrett this month. The president has nominated an outstanding jurist to be on the Supreme Court. I visited with her this week. It only confirmed my high opinion of her. Uh, I suspect that's going to be the case of the American people when they see Judge Barrett or confirmation hearing starting a week from tomorrow. And none of this should have any impact on the schedule of the Senate, either the Judiciary Committee or the Senate as a whole. Perfect. That's the great message. And you know what? To Mitch McConnell's credit, I mean, he's been doing outstanding at this the entire time. He left it completely certain with the American people and with the Senate. Oh, we're having a hearing. Get ready. We're having a hearing. There won't be any delays. So get ready. Going to be a uh, 
interesting October. Get ready. And remember, what's my advice to you always if you're getting too stressed? Do you remember what my advice is? Yes, it's one buy a Jesse Kelly phone case. I actually don't sell these. I should probably sell them. I mean, who wouldn't want one? But what's my advice to you when you're too stressed? Set it down. Just set it down. It'll be fine. All right. Now, you know what else helps with my stress? I'm not going to lie. Practicing with my weapon. And since I got my wife into shooting, she says the same thing. It helps relieve her stress. Practice with your weapon. And I don't want to hear, I don't have to go to the range. Jesse, I can't, I can't afford ammo. No, 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 no. That was an excuse yesterday. Today, you know about iTarget, so that's not an excuse anymore. iTarget, if you go online to iTargetPro.com, use the code JESSE, they will send you a laser bullet in the caliber of your choice with a target, all the instructions you need. It's totally cake. Put an app on your phone, and you practice with your weapon, your real weapon, in the comfort of your home without spending a dime on ammunition, without driving to the range. Go get yours. iTargetPro.com. Use the promo code JESSE. Save you 10%. We'll be back. Joining me now, our friend from the Media Action Network, man, Ken LaCourt. Ken, um, I saw 72 hours of the public completely losing their minds on both sides about Donald Trump coming down with coronavirus. I fully acknowledge coronavirus is serious. Obviously, it's killed a couple hundred thousand people here. But people on both sides, the people on the right are holding prayer vigils for him. Obviously, a bunch of ghouls on the left were cheering for his death. That's to be expected. I know leftists want us all dead. That's not exactly a secret. I'm sitting back watching it and thinking he's the leader of the free world with a virus with over 99% survivability rate. He's going to be fine. Are we just that panicky as a people now? Oh, I don't know. I mean, look, I see some, I, I, I think it's fair to be concerned about somebody, uh, a, a president when he has this. It's like, you know, you're, you're looking at, at at him versus the abyss for, for many conservatives' point of view. And if something happens to him, we're kind of screwed. Um, so, you know, panicky maybe. I mean, certainly the left uh, sees this as their, their Scheidenfreuden moment. They get to be cluck clucking around. Um, does any of this change any votes or anything like that? Probably not. I can't really see it affecting the race too, too much unless he gets unless he gets sick enough where he like is, is off his feet for a couple weeks. But, you know, there's something about Trump. It's like you look at him and the way he just bulldozes through life. You, you, when, I, when he said he, he was sucks. sick, I'm like, he's not going to have a problem here. He's he, you know, this is not going to take out Donald Trump. And, and, and I think that most people kind of figure that out. You think it could help him? I've got to be honest, Ken, because I'm always, I'm very curious about this Rust Belt swing voter who can go either way and just kind of just wanders into the polls and just votes for someone on election day. That's the person who actually decides the next president. It's not you or I. So I'm very curious, what does make this person move? Maybe it'll help him. Well, I, I think that that group of people is very, very, very small. I actually don't think that this is a race that's all about finding the 5% who are undecided and trying to swing them back and forth. Might it get him a little bit more sympathy? Yeah, it's possible. Might people be like, eh, should have worn a mask, pal. It's possible. This is a turnout election, and this is a turnout election more than anything we've seen. People who... people. 
Look, there, if, if you are undecided in, in, in America, I haven't met you yet. I, I've yet to meet somebody who's really like, man, I don't know who I want in this. I mean, I'm sure that guy exists, but it's more a matter of, of who are the campaigns going to be able to get out of their own support to vote. And, and that's what the Trump campaign, I think, is relying on. Um, that's what the polls have the hardest time kind of recognizing. That's why so many people are dismissive of them. I, I saw a new Wall Street Journal poll come out today. It was Wall Street Journal NBC saying he was up 14. And the irony is the four days ago, four years ago, they had another poll showing that he was going to get creamed by 12 points. And so it's like, you know, it's kind of deja vu all over again with, with turnout and with polls. Okay, give us the blocking and tackling, Ken. What does that mean, turn out the vote? How do campaigns do that? Are we dragging people to the pools physically? Is this phone calls? What is, how does a campaign get people to vote? You know, it's excitement. And it's and it's it's not saying, I mean, look, you can say things to get your team out and you can say things to cr try to convince that last undecided uh, um, soccer mom somewhere where you have the same rational middle things as opposed to, and I think that you saw Trump at his, uh, at his debate while it was kind of un ugly to watch. I think that all of that was designed to kind of divide Joe from his base, you know, make him say, no, I'm not that liberal and come on, calm down. I'm not a socialist like that other old man. And, and to, at the same time, to, to kind of whip up your troops who see, you know, these, these life and death decisions coming forward. So I think it's more messaging. Now, obviously there's ground game and whatnot, but that's, you know, that, that's always going on and, and, and is always responsible for maybe 2% of the, of the bottom line on, on pushing people out, phone calls and whatnot. But I mean, you know, that's what that look, that's what Trump and his supporters are hanging on right now. Have you ever seen pictures of people who've hand painted signs of a president of the United States and put it in their front yard? I mean, I've seen kind of, I mean, look at the I mean, if Obama was sick, more people would feel sorry for him, but do you think you would have had people screaming out inside of the with with huge signs and pickup trucks outside of the hospital? I mean, there certainly is an intensity level going on with with the president and his supporters, and that's what he's banking on. And and if he pulls this out, it will be entirely because of that. How many? How much of that intensity? And I realize this is just a completely, completely subjective question. How much of that intensity is that Trump is a political phenom, and he and he is, whether you love him or not, just like Obama, he's a phenom. How much of it's that, and how much of it is this radicalized left is radicalizing the right? I, I always believe society seeks a balance, and the more insane one side gets, that's always going to be met with something else on the other side. Which is which? How much is much? You know, I think that the, that that division gave us Donald Trump. Let's not forget the same Donald Trump ran for president a few other times and never got off the mat. I think that finally, when when America was like, you know, these Bushes, these Clintons, they're all kind of different sides of the same coin, and I and and it's they all seem to be pretty happy in dividing the country up once every four or eight years. And when he came and he came down on that escalator at uh, at, at Trump Tower and said things like. Hey, we got to knock this illegal immigration stuff off. That struck a nerve with 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 people because that was the first time that they'd heard a politician say that in many many years. What they'd heard is the the Beltway people of of you know either the Democrats loving them and the Republicans being afraid to criticize illegal immigration. And from that moment on, Trump was was not afraid to speak his mind. And and you know look he talked he joked about of course everybody lost their minds over it. He joked about I could shoot somebody on Fifth Avenue and and my uh, voters wouldn't uh, wouldn't wouldn't abandon me. And and I think that's largely true and, and it's largely true because 
I just don't believe the media anymore. I mean, I, I, I've, I've, I've made millions of dollars in the, in the media. I've, I've loved it. I've been part of that, that for my whole life. And I literally don't believe them when they say things now, because I think that they're, they're making things up. Gabe Sherman is, is a, is a, a vanity fair reporter. He came out and, and you saw the president when he was in the, uh, when he was at, at Walter Reed and he gave that, that talk and he was, uh, and you know, he, he looks fine. He sounded fine. And you had a reporter who said, I, you, I, his, 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 his breathing is clearly labored. He has a look of fear in his eyes. He's propping himself up. Man, if you read his thing and didn't watch what, with your own eyes what the president would said, you would have thought that he was, he was you know, on the oxygen tank right there and about ready to die. The U.S. press has got to that aspect and, and got to that thing where they're just not trustworthy you know, to some extent on both sides. I mean, I mean, I, you know, I, it's, it's like facts be damned these days. And that has a tendency to solidify the extremes on that, like you were saying. Let me ask you, how did it happen to the press? Now, I, I, I need to clarify to everybody. I'm not one of these people who believes history started when I was born. The press has always been detestable. Back, Thomas Jefferson complained about him. Julius Caesar complained about him. I, I, Sherman, during the Civil War, said if, the, the, if we had reporters dead, there'd be dispatches from hell by, by lunchtime. He hated them. He regarded them as spies. So I understand the press has always sucked. However, this press is weird. It's almost like they're all seeking their own level of fame more so than ever before. Is that is that fair? Uh, I think that's part of it. I, look, like a lot of things in, in life, it comes down to economic incentives. Um, when the press was uh, thought to be at its worst in the late 1800s, early 19, 1900s with, with the, the yellow journalism, that was propagated by young kids standing on corners and streets, ringing a bell, shouting off the most salacious headlines. And, and, and then that changed and we went into an era of 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, where basically all the media was almost like licenses to print money and they all had their own, they all had their own uh, uh, um, monopoly that, that they had a control over. The LA Times didn't have, uh, didn't have much competition. A couple newspapers in, in New York. CNN was the only channel on, on uh, you know, only 24 seven channel on, on your entire cable network. Then once the internet came along, cable became more competitive, the newspaper stopped making money, the channel four, two, four, seven stopped being literally like, like licenses to print money. They all jumped into having to, to play to their bases to attract an audience. And especially in the internet world where literally if you put a, you know, you are designing every headline on an internet site to get clicks and you are designing it to ramp it up just as, as a, as, as salacious as you can without going overboard and losing all of your credibility. And that's the name of the game that the press has played for the last 10 years here. And it's just gotten more and more extreme. Then you throw Donald Trump into the mix. It's like, you know, it's like a match on top of a pool of gasoline uh, because he didn't take it anymore. And he, he gave as good as he got. And that's why we're in this situation, which I think we're going to be in for okay, quite so a while. Okay, so it sounds just like a market that got diluted. It's the it was it's the it's the club that used to be exclusive, and now they decided to get inclusive and let everybody in. And now it sucks because there's a bunch of turds in there. Eventually, they're just going to have to sell it, and someone else is going to have to buy it and start kicking people out again, right? I mean, that's what happens. Well, the dangerous part and the bad part for conservatives, and this is what I'm trying to help fix in my life, is that it was 90% Democrat when, when you know when it was all kind of mashed around and just kind of biased. It was 
90% biased to the left. You know, you had Fox, you had uh, a newspaper here and there, you had AM radio for, for Republicans. Now, as everybody's gone to the mattresses, we now have a national media narrative that is that is being made by 90% of the press, hardcore on the left, and they're not playing just the bias game anymore. They're playing the we're in the game as hard as we can. We're not even trying to be intellectually honest anymore. And that's, that's why if it feels like President Trump isn't running against against you know one older guy he isn't he's running against nbc and abc and 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 facebook and twitter and all of those entities out there because this the deck is so stacked against conservatives we've ignored it and we need to get into that game of upstream fights like jesse like the jesse i mean this is this is the kind (laughs) of thing that needs to succeed for look dude i'm 55 years old i do not want to die and still have 90% of the press corps hate everything I believe in. And that's why it's important for shows like this to succeed. And that's why why I'm here and it's why I talk you up and it's why you have to do well. You have to find an audience. You have to balance off that morass. Get to work. Much appreciated, my friend. Ken the Court Media Action Network, always rooting for him as well. Thank you, sir. Good being here. All right. 75%. 75 percent that's the increase in cyber crime since all this coronavirus madness stuff began these cyber thieves are not running off they're not finding a new profession you think we're entering the online era of cyber crime we may be just dipping our toe in the water right now the future is online meaning crime the future of crime is online and your home title it's vulnerable it's online you may not think it is i didn't think so either till they did it to me and showed it to me with my signature and my wife's signature and i found out it took them less than 10 minutes unless you have home title lock your home title is vulnerable And if they get your home title, they're going to take out a loan against your home and you are going to pay it back. Go to HomeTitleLock.com right now. Use the promo code RADIO. Get yourself 30 days free. HomeTitleLock.com. We'll be back. Joining me now once again, Pastor Daryl Scott. He is the author of Nothing to Lose, Unlikely Allies in the Struggle for a Better black america pastor i've got to ask you being a man of god donald trump goes to the hospital this weekend we got prayer vigils all over the place which i love i'm all about prayer and things like that but doesn't it seem like we are a bit panicky now as a nation as a whole left and right all over the place don't you feel like we're just we're, we're, we're the rich guy on the side of the road screaming about a flat tire well to me the prayers work we have prayer vigils going up and you're talking about a guy they were originally saying would be 10 to 14 day quarantine and they were questioning uh the president's health was it deteriorating you know the left was trying to portray a picture at first of him laying up in an oxygen tent and a ventilator hooked up to a life support machine now all of a sudden prayers go up from all over the country we have a prayer vigil for him everybody's praying and donald trump comes out the next day and starts tweeting again that was the first sign that everything was going to be all right. He started tweeting. And then the tweets intensify, and lo and behold, he decides to take a ride. <laughs> he took a couple of laps. He took a couple of laps around and, and sent pizzas down to everybody. And you know what I said? 
I can't think of anybody else on the face of this planet Earth that could turn a hospital state into a rally. And then I couldn't think of anybody who would even think, hey, let's get in the car and go for a ride around the around the. <laughs> you can't make this stuff up, man. And the left now the left was saying he was going to die at first. And, and they should remove the power of the presidency away from him because he's, he's, he's not he's not able to do it. The next thing you know, they're saying there's a hoax. He was never really sick in the first place. And it's all a scam. You can't make this stuff up, man. Never a dull day Person, in the Donald Trump administration. Let me ask you something about evangelical voters. I, I, look, I am one. I, that, that would be probably how I would identify, although I'm a rabid right-wing nut job anyway. Donald Trump has won a ton of evangelical voters, the, the huge majority of them. And his critics will, will point out, you know, things he's done in his personal life and whatnot. However, he continues to have such strong support in that community. Why? It's because the evangelicals are, are mainly voting the platform over the uh, person. You know, the, the conservative viewpoint, I'll give you an example myself. You know, I tended towards conservatism, being a pastor, because it more closely reflected the values and the principles that I see in the, in the Bible, the Word of God. And so it's the platform that they're supporting. And as long as Donald Trump supports the platform, he's going to support, uh, he's going to gain their support of his presidency. You know, the, the pro-life platform, the, uh, a number of other things that are prominent in the conservative platform. Uh, uh, are expressed or mirrored by the evangelicals. And so that's what it is. If Donald Trump begins to deviate from conservatism, then you'll see the evangelicals deviating from their support for Trump. Pastor, I understand that you're not a Catholic. I'm not a Catholic myself, and I'm certainly not, not trying Catholic. to get you in trouble on this show with the Catholic. You are Catholic? No, I'm not Catholic. I'm no, Protestant. I was going to say, I didn't think so. <laughs> I, I saw, I I saw, I saw the more trouble. I'm a Protestant. <laughs> Me too, me too. But I saw the Pope come out this weekend. He said something really, really criticizing capitalism, pointing out to that. And I'll tell you, you know, I, I don't want my pastor to be a woke pastor, obviously. I also don't want him talking about economics in any way. It rubbed me the wrong way big time, and I'm not a Catholic at all. Now, you don't have to speak about him specifically, but church leaders, don't you think you should leave that alone or should you not leave that alone? Is that perfectly within your purview? Well, first, I am going to speak about him personally, and because of something I said about this same Pope during the 2016 campaign, which was he needs to stay in his lane. He needs to get out of American economics and out of American government. First of all, because he's not an American, stay in your lane and deal with the issues. And let's talk about the Catholic economics. The Vatican has more money than most governments have. And so let's talk about the wealth distribution of the Vatican uh, reserves if we're going to talk about economics. But you need to stay out of the American system of economics and the American system of government and just stay in your lane and be the spiritual head of over a billion Catholics on this planet. That's what you need to do. How would you, what <laughs> advice would you give to a young church a young, I mean, young pastor, young church starting out these days, you know the pressure of social media. Everybody wants you to, you got to take a stance on something. I mean, you can't, you can't mm -hmm. walk five feet without taking a stance. Somebody sticking a microphone in your face, putting up a Facebook post about something Pastor Daryl Scott said that was insensitive last Sunday. What advice would you give to a young church, young pastor starting out these days? Well, you know, when I was uh, uh, very new in Christianity, our pastor used to say you either stand for something 
or you fall for anything. And I always say this, it's easy for pastors when you have a captive audience, you're the, you're the major domo, you're the grand poobah, you have a microphone in your hand, you're on an elevated platform, you have security, deacons, elders, you have a captive audience that all loves you. It's easy to talk tough when you're in your pulpit, but when you come outside of that pulpit and you have the mainstream media with cameras thrust in your face, you'll see how big stones you have, you'll see how many how much guts you have, you'll see how courageous you are. So you need to examine yourself and make sure before you come out there, that you have what it takes to do this job you're purporting yourself to do. Because if people are going to look at you as a leader, you've got to have some courage and you've got to have some guts and you have to have some resolve and some standards that you adhere to no matter what. So, you know, whatever it is, you pick your lane and you stick to it and don't let them shake you. And anything, you know, to be honest, social media pressure is overblown anyway. To me, that's not real pressure. I say it in my book. Real pressure is I've got six kids. I don't have a job. We're getting evicted on Friday. We don't have anywhere to go. I don't know where any money's coming from. My wife is it. That's pressure. People talking about me on social media, that's no pressure. Why? Because I can control that. All I have to do is turn it off, and I don't have to look at it. Or do like I, I tell usually, usually I clap back harder than they clap first, and they wind up blocking me. They wind up unfriending me because I hit them back harder than they hit me in the first place. <laughs> I, I tell my audience all the time, if you're stressed out of your mind, here's what you do. Just set it down. Just set, the, just set it down. It's totally fine to just go outside and set the daggone thing down. All right. But you know what, Jesse? I've you got something actually... wrong with me. I've got something wrong with me personally. I kind of thrive and feed off of that stuff. So when they come at me with those <laughs> insults or slurs, you know, like half of it is funny. It is genuinely funny. A lot of the things they say, and they'll put these videos up of me tap dancing, and then I'll come back and say, that's a nice video of your grandfather. You got any of the rest of the family? And they get <laughs> mad at me and say, how can a pastor talk like this? And I say, a pastor can talk like this the same way you can talk to a pastor like this. You talk to me like a pastor, I'll talk back to you like a pastor. I don't See, know. This is why we get along. <laughs> this is why we get along, because we're both terrible people. You know, you and I have ever, never actually discussed this before. I would imagine you've caught plenty of media flack for your support of Donald Trump. Why not? Everyone else does. Yeah, oh, yeah. From the very beginning, way back in, you know, he was going to run in 2012. I was with him then. He put it off till 2016, and I was with him from 2015 when he first came down that uh, escalator. And, yeah, I got a lot of flack, man. But one thing about it, for real, it doesn't bother me. It, you know, it very rarely makes me mad because some of the stuff is just outright creative and humorous, you know. I had a picture of myself, another pastor, and Donald Trump riding in the car in 2016. And somebody took the picture and photoshopped a blunt into my hand. And they had the smoke <laughs> going up in Donald Trump's face. And then they colored our eyes red. And I'm telling you, the picture looked so real, I couldn't do anything but start laughing. My wife was upset. <laughs> my daughter was upset. I wasn't upset. Whoever did that photoshop, they did a good job. And it went viral. <laughs> If you saw Pastor Daryl Scott, I, I, I wish you had it so you could put it up on the screen. The smoke is going in Trump's you know nose what? and mouth. It's funny, man. You know, if you get it to us next time, I'll put it on my show. Pastor Daryl Scott <laughs> and the Devil's Lettuce. Thank you, Pastor. I appreciate you. <laughs> Thanks, man. God bless you. You too. That was a good dude. All right, we got something you're gonna enjoy. Hang on. Okay, I'll tell you what I really love about this internet era, and I think I've told you this before. It really revealed how many sharp, 
clever people there are out there. They do these little stupid internet videos and their pants wetting funny. Trump gets out of the hospital. He survives COVID, blows right through it. Of course, the leftists were a bunch of leftists were rooting, rooting for him to die. So Trump gets out. And the left, after trying to get him thrown out of office or declare him dead, is now obvious, I mean, obviously upset that he's out and, you know, in the clear. So somebody, because of that, made this little play off Willy Wonka, and daggone, it made me laugh. What a great honor to be able to introduce for the first time ever anywhere. (laughs) All right. All right. We'll do it again tomorrow. I'll see you. Newton Group Transfer. They are here to help you if you're stuck in a timeshare. These stories from people who have these timeshares and can't get out of them, they're shocking. These timeshare companies, not all of them, but so many, they get their hooks into you and you can't give them up. You can't give them up. Or they'll they'll do things like they charge you thousands of dollars. One girl, she got past her timeshare when her mother passed away. She gets past the timeshare, doesn't want the timeshare, doesn't use the timeshare. They tell her she can get out of it for $4,000. She has to come up with a $4,000 check. This is not right. It's unjust. And Newton Group Transfers is here to help you. If you are in a timeshare and want out or know someone who is, call 888-845-3773. That's 888-84-JESSE or go to timesharejesse.com. Newton Group Transfer. They will help you out. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, it's your favorite throwback podcast hosts, Jessica Bennett and Susie Bannekarum, here to announce a new season of our show in retrospect, which means a whole new batch of episodes diving into the pop culture moments we love and love to pick apart from the dethroning of the first black Miss America to the legacy of a lesbian joke from four Kaftan loving Golden Girls. Listen to in retrospect on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. My name is Chris Moody, host of the new podcast, Finding Matt Drudge. I'll be taking you on a journey to find the mysterious media mogul Matt Drudge, founder of The Drudge Report. Along the way, I'll talk to people who have worked with him, dined with him, and fought with him, taking listeners into private conversations, all in an attempt to get a better understanding of who Drudge is and what motivates him. Hopefully, he'll even sit down with us. Listen to Finding Matt Drudge on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
I'm John Seifer. And I'm Jerry O'Shea. We spent over 30 years in the CIA uncovering global conspiracies. Conspiracies aren't just a theory to us, which is why we started our podcast, Mission Implausible. Everyone has questions about conspiracy theories, but with our background, we can actually answer those questions. Anyone can just start screaming about microchips and Jewish space lasers, but it's our mission to remove the bull and get down to what's real. Listen to Mission Implausible on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.